Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in John chapter 16. Let's drop down to the last verse in the chapter, verse number 33. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are a part of your overcoming army, a group of saints rising in the earth of overcomers. And we give you all of the praise for your help, the work of your spirit to get us into proper alignment that you want us to be in. Now, thank you, Father. Help us today by your spirit in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Amen. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yes, my friends, I'm sure you've noticed that there are many things in the earth today that are very troubling. And we have our own personal encounters and challenges with the various things that would pop up in our paths as we move forward on our Christian journey. But despite the tribulations, the various trials and tests, we can be of good cheer because the victory, the ultimate victory that Jesus won for us, he has now infused into our spiritual nature as those who are born again in him. So basically, his incredible ability to overcome anything that the world, that the devil threw at him, also that overcoming anointing is now on the inside of us, and we too can overcome all things through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're going to. Now, First John chapter 4. 1 John 4, my friends, remove from your life any area of defeatism. Take that out of your thinking. Take it out of your vocabulary and understand that through the new birth experience, you are now positioned to step into the role of an overcomer. And this has benefits not only for this life, but for the world to come. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And so you have many uh, false religions by the hundreds, by the bucket loads all around the world, all of these false religions trying to say that either A, there is no sin, or B, there's another way to God, or C, we're all gods and just be your own God, do your own thing, and on and on it goes. But my friends, we know that's all an antichrist or it's, a, it's an anointing that's against God. It's an antichrist anointing. Mm-mm. Well, we've heard that it was coming, and it's already in the world. It's been in the world now ever since John wrote about this. And that spirit of the world, which is against God, we overcome it through the Lord Jesus. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in us is greater than he, the Antichrist, the fallen, polluted world system, and everything in it. So God in us is greater than all of that. And so there is always a way to overcome in every situation. And so God wants you to have the overcomer mentality and for you to march in his overcoming army. Praise God. The world has never seen anything like the end time overcoming army that is coming forth now. Mm -mm. And it's forming up. It's forming together all around the world. Please have a global perspective with your Christianity. 
Don't just have a westernized, Americanized uh, Christianity. Have a global perspective because when God looks down on the earth, he sees the whole planet. He sees he sees one body, Jesus the head. We are his body in the earth. And it is a global body. Mm-mm-mm. Praise God. And we are called by the Lord to be overcomers in all things against the world and against the the fallen world system, the Antichrist. And the Antichrist hasn't come yet, but that Antichrist anointing is already in the earth, as we clearly see uh, just by the headlines that are in the news. Revelation chapter 3, and let's go to verse 21. To him who overcomes, who? So there are some rewards and some extra benefits that go to the overcomer. My friends, please don't romanticize the ideology of being an overcomer where it sounds wonderful, but it's not worked out in your life. It does take some work to work it out. We'll talk about that some today, but nevertheless, push with all that you have into this role where you are overcoming on all fronts of your life. Praise the Lord that there's no areas of the feet that you do not address and get down and get into the nitty gritty with and fix it through the anointed word and the power of the Holy Spirit. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne and excuse me, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So we want to overcome the churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. They, they, those were literal churches and each church faced different trials, different types of temptations, different uh, uh, types of the antichrist anointing in the earth working against them. But so many of them still found the way to overcome by trusting in the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, it is true that an overcomer is going to go through some pressure situations. How how is a diamond formed through lots of heat and lots of pressure? And there are quite a few believers. I'm just going to talk frankly with you today. There are quite a few believers. Of course, they're saved and they're on their way to heaven. And they're very content with that. They don't want anything else beyond that. They're not really interested in winning souls. They're not even interested in winning all of themselves. Do you know what I mean by that? Because Dr. Billy Graham years back said, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Oh, but so many Christians are like, God, I know you love me just the way I am, and I'm saved. I put my faith and trust in you, and that's all I want to deal with. (laughs) And you know what? You can go on to heaven and make heaven, but if you're an overcomer, there is so much more available for you in this life and in the world to come. And that's what I'm talking about here today. So the mediocre Christian will not go through certain things that a yielded believer who wants to be an overcomer will go through because the mediocre Christian says, Hey, I'm content. I'm not really interested in seeing kingdom expansion. I'm happy. I'm content. Maybe you live in a country where everything's comfortable and, you know, peaceful. And so there's nothing really to prod you or to move you forward. So you're just, all you're interested in is maybe another car, a bigger garage, a bigger home, a little more money or whatever it might be. And there's nothing wrong with increase. I pray that God would do that for you. But You want to increase spiritually. You want to increase in your walk with God. You want to be built up again uh, across the whole spectrum of your life. Praise God so that you're winning in every area. And we're going to talk about some of those areas today. So when you really do want to be an overcomer and God understands that you are one of his students in this school of the spirit, then he'll begin to work with you so that you are fashioned into the image of Jesus and you're not just left for the rest of your life in spiritual infancy. Praise the Lord. So I'll give give you an example. I have a pastor friend of mine and he, uh, he was telling me about another pastor that he knows. (laughs) So uh, this pastor 
He said, Lord, you know, I, I want to be an overcomer. Work in my life. Get me there. And so uh, there was a lady in his church. And this lady just kept causing all kinds of problems. Uh, she, was, she needed a lot of uh, uh, help, and she would mess all kinds of things up. And she wasn't like doing it on purpose, but she was a little bit like a bull in a china shop. And, uh, but at the same time, it would stretch the pastor's patience. It would stretch the pastor, but the, the pastor would realize she's not taught. So I, these are things she's never learned. So I've got a teacher and stuff like that, but it would still, uh, aggravate him and kind of get under his skin. And it bugged him. And he, he prayed, Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't want to deal with her anymore. She's too much work. Uh, uh, I, I pray that you remove her from the church and the Lord did remove her and she left. And somebody else came who was like three times worse than her, <laughs> three times more like, you know, kind of like a tr uh, causing uh, silly problems and mistakes and mess ups and uh, just, you know, misunderstandings and, uh, you know, m misunderstanding scripture, misunderstanding uh, church protocol and on and on it went. And uh, you said, oh God, he said, take her away and send the other one back. <laughs> But, you know, so the Lord knows how to work with ministers to get them into a place where they're overcoming and they're not overcome. But the Lord knows how to work with any believer who wants to go on with him. And it could be that he allows you to have a boss, maybe a, 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 a manager, maybe somebody that's over you who maybe rubs you the wrong way, who maybe uh, stretches you and pushes you and pulls you. And you're like, I, I don't want to change. I, I'm, I'm functioning fine as I am. But, uh, but maybe the person uh, won't go away. And so you're like, what do I do? I had a worker one time, uh, actually my manager, who was really, uh, I, I, I could honestly say he was impossible to please. His work demands were unrealistic. Even for three people, three, he would put on one person what three people going all out couldn't do. And it really bothered me. It about drove everybody in my department nuts. And there were guys left and right transferring out just to get away from this maniac. And the truth of the matter is that he was a workaholic and he had a phenomenal work ethic, but he had a lot of really rough around the edges and he would use a lot of really coarse profanity and uh, <laughs> just a real hard, uh, compassionless type guy. But I did notice after a few weeks that my work ethic had gone to a new level because he would push so hard. And even if it was unrealistic, it, he didn't care. He would write you up and guys were complaining like to upper management and the upper management wasn't doing anything about it. <laughs> so I stayed in there like me and like uh, one other guy, we just stayed in there and the fire was hot and we stayed in there and, um, got through it. And, uh, there, there came a point some months later where I kind of like understood him. I understood his way of thinking. Plus my, my, my uh, level of hustle had gone to a whole new degree and also thinking smarter to try to get all of this crazy stuff done. And, uh, so, uh, it was really for me like a blessing in disguise. Was it enjoyable? Uh, no, it was horrible. I'd had, I'd have to go home after work and pray at least an hour in tongues just to get that junk off of me. You talk about pressure cooker, stress. <laughs> and all, all the guys in the department were just like, we can't believe this guy doesn't get fired. How come he's management will not fire him? He's breaking all kinds of uh, uh, certain like rules and regulations all the time, but he was getting away with it. But God, God wouldn't let him out. He was there and he was having his run. But it, God allowed the good that was in him to touch me and help me go further. Praise God. And the moment I caught it and the moment I agreed with what God was doing and the moment I, in my heart, I, I did, it wouldn't have mattered to me if I would have stayed under him for a year or two years. I, I, I was just like, I had adjusted. I'd come up Now I didn't appreciate all the other stuff he did, but that didn't get to me. That didn't bother me. But the moment I was like at peace with it. I had risen to where God wanted me to go. Boom. Instantly he got fired. He got fired so fast that when I came back, he wasn't even there. <laughs> Woo. Wow. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. It was, and this is the truth. One of the men in my department, a hardened sinner, 
who would always go about the department telling dirty jokes. Why does it seem like there's always somebody at the workplace who's got to be a dirty joke teller? Well, he was the ultimate dirty joke teller. He'd tell dirty jokes all over the place. And uh, when he, when we all heard that, that, you know, the boss had gotten fired, he got all the guys together and started a dance around the main office desk singing a song, leading everybody in a song singing, Ding Dong, the Wicked Witch is Dead. <laughs> Stephen, join in our dance. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to celebrate somebody else's demise. I don't need to do that. <laughs> Woo, praise God, hallelujah. But you've got to overcome. There's always a way to overcome. And if this thing is not going away, and look, the, the world system is not going away. We're still here. We can't get on a spaceship and fly away. And even if you did get on a spaceship and flew away, you could have problems on the spaceship. What happened on the space shuttle some years back? I know they retired the space shuttle. Remember one of the you know last few flights, you had the captain of the space shuttle having an affair with some of the women astronauts and one of the women astronauts actually tried to kill, later tried to kill the other one when they're back on the earth. I mean, you're talking crazy stuff. So, so it doesn't matter if you're on Mars or in space or on the earth. Hey, until Jesus comes back, we've got, all, we've got these various challenges to deal with, but you can overcome everything through the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. But yes, um, this is also why God allows tough situations. And you wonder like, Hey, I wonder why other Christians don't have to go through this because they don't care. They have, look at my hand. They have zero with a capital Z. They have zero interest in being conformed into the image of God. They have zero interest in wanting to be an overcomer. All they want to do is come home after work, watch sports game, uh, watch a whole bunch of sports throughout the week. And then on Sunday, check their, uh, uh green check mark off and go to church and, uh, make sure that everything's happy between them and God. Maybe, maybe even give an offering. That's it. That's, and they're out. They don't want anything else. Praise the Lord. But my friends, God is calling overcomers who overcome all things, who are not willing to sit back and say, well, we'll just tolerate defeat. Why not? Everybody else does. No, hallelujah. Amen. God can give you victory in your finances. God can give you victory in your marriage. God can give you victory in the, in, in the health of your body. Praise God. And you leave. And when it does come, the time comes for, for you to leave and depart this earth. You leave not like an old whipped dog with his tail between, between his legs running off. No, glory to God. You leave as an overcomer and the devil goes, whoo, I'm sure glad that one left. Boy, that one was calling, causing us a lot of trouble. <laughs> it reminds me in the Catholic church, there was a man named John Vianney, and uh, he's actually celebrated amongst uh, the, the Roman Catholics as being the patron saint of all pastors. So, uh, and he actually had a visitation from Satan. Satan actually came to John Vianney one time and told him, he said, you're giving me so much trouble that if there were two of you on the earth, I think my kingdom would crumble. Mm-mm. And he was just, uh, you know, John Vianney was single his whole life. He prayed his whole life. He's just served the Lord his whole life. He was just caught up in God his whole life. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. But you overcome, you overcome, praise God. Hallelujah. And then when we get to the other side, then we can take a rest. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're rested in a sense in the Lord here. God doesn't want you all wore out and fatigued. And you can tell I'm not all beat up and banged up and wore out. God wants you to take care of yourself, but you must give attention to overcoming any area uh, in your, in your life, in your sphere that you uh, reign over where there would be a defeat or something that is not right. Praise God. Let's give it the attention that it deserves. James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. Now, God has something intended for you at the end. If you will go through it and overcome it, I'm telling you, it will be worth it for you at the end. Not only will it be a blessing to you, it's probably going to inspire a whole bunch of other people. It's probably going to make other people stop and think, you know what? I think I need to 
serve the Lord and maybe tighten some things up around here with my walk with God. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Well, yes, Job had a hard time, but theologians will tell you that, 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 that have examined the text that Job's experience could not have been any longer than nine months. So yes, was it tough? Yeah, it was, it was a pretty wild ride. But God restored everything back and then doubled it, doubled everything back that he ever had before. And the end result was that he, he, he ends up as an overcomer. He overcame it all. Was it tough? Yeah. Did he go through some things that others didn't go through? Absolutely. And I'm not saying you have to have a Job experience, but I am saying that whatever challenges that you would face, face them with the mentality that you're an overcomer and there's a way to get through this and that you're going to. Even if it takes a while, even if you have to persevere like Job, you keep pushing, you keep doing the right thing. Let me say this about finances. There are some things in the kingdom of God, such as healing. You can get it just like that. Boom. You get a miracle just like that. But there's some other things with God where he works more along the lines of principles. And yes, he can give you a money miracle, but he's wanting to work with you more on a systematic, long-term, good outlook where you're blessed in the end. And in order for you to get there, he requires obedience, not just like a tithe once every three months because, well, I guess I'll just do it once. I'm not really. No, no. That's what tithing is. It's systematically the giving of 10% of your income, of your increase to the Lord. If it's not systematic, you're not a tither. So God is looking at the end and he's got something really good intended for you, but you have to stay with it until God shows up and he will. He will. If you don't quit and you keep that overcomer mentality, he'll show up in a way bigger than probably what you even envisioned. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You've read Malachi chapter three, who opens the windows of heaven? God does. I'm telling you right now that God could just move uh, his little pinky finger the slightest bit and off an angel goes. And the next thing you know, something has happened over your life where the windows of heaven are open and blessings are pouring out, ideas, creativity, wisdom is pouring out, money is coming in, unlike anything you've ever seen before. But you've got to hang out with God until you get there. Job was blessed at the end, but God the whole time knew where he was taking him. Hallelujah. You've got to be an overcomer. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Hallelujah. The overcomers see the good stuff, but it's, you've got to stick in there. You've got to stick in there. That's why we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. So the Lord has an intended end for you and it's seriously good. Praise God. So don't, don't uh, settle for defeat or medio uh, mediocrity, be an overcomer and keep pushing. And you're going to have a phenomenal victory that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Mm -mm. Praise God. That's also why you can't judge or base your life on others because there could be others in the body of Christ that are just floating along. Seems like maybe everything's always perfect. And it could be that intellectually, They've kind of like made a peace treaty with the devil. They've kind of like waved in their mind. They've kind of waved like a white flag of surrender saying, Satan, um, if you don't bother me, I, I sure won't bother you. Just let me live my life. All I want to do is be happy. I don't want any problems. And eventually I'll die and get out of here and go to heaven. Uh, the devil, leave me alone. And the, the enemy sees them like no, as like no threat. You know, they're, they're no threat. They have no interest in winning souls. They're not even interested in, like I said earlier, in winning all of themselves. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But when you're serious, amen, yes, the devil will throw some things at you, but you just go right on through because you are more than a conqueror in Christ, the anointed one, Jesus. And Jesus, the great overcomer, has imparted that overcoming anointing into your spirit. And you'll find, you'll find when you take a stand, yeah, glad I didn't compromise. I'm glad I didn't bow or give in because I won again. And 
Wow, does it ever feel good. Hallelujah. You know, Abraham, God told him to go to the promised land. He goes there. There's a famine. What does he do? He, he just keeps on going. He goes down into Egypt, and he got into a mess. If he would have stayed in the promised land where God would have told him to go, God would have blessed him right there. God would have done a miracle for him. God would have prospered him right there. Thank God, at least Isaac got it right. Isaac's in the land, shows up in the land, and there's famine. He thinks about going to Egypt. God says, stay here. And he stayed there, did what his father did not do, and he sowed. And in that very year, which was a famine year, he reaped a hundredfold return. Woo! Hallelujah. You're going to be the righteous envy amongst your Christian brothers and sisters. Amen. I'm not talking about an evil jealousy. I'm talking about a righteous like, ooh, I, I, hallelujah. That person uh, inspires me, stirs me to good works by what they're doing. Mm-mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So these things of testing can be very, very interesting. You, uh, where, where you're, you're working to that place of overcoming. Maybe you have a spouse that doesn't have much interest in God. Maybe your spouse is not even married. Uh, excuse, of course, they're married if, you're, if that's your spouse, but maybe that person's not even saved. But you know what? While you want to be a good witness, you ought, the greatest witness is that you serve the Lord and you give your heart completely to God and that you live for the Lord and the Lord will begin to work on that person. Praise God. You know, um, our, um, our main sanctuary is an old Methodist church building built in 1877 and restored, but the Methodist church was founded by John Wesley. He actually told this leadership team, he said, look, when I die, and he said, don't start a denomination after I die. So he died, and as soon as he died, they started the denomination <laughs> after him. They called themselves the Methodist because they had a method of evangelizing. And actually, George Whitfield was probably a, a, like a greater evangelist, a, a greater public speaker. Uh, but Wesley, he was a great speaker also, but he had, he had better structure. In other words, after a whole bunch of people got saved, he, didn't, he just, just didn't say, God bless you, hope to see you next time. After he got a bunch of people saved, there's somebody out there. He's got people out there passing out pencils and a piece of paper. Please give us your name. Tell us where you live. We want to do a follow-up and see how you're doing. In other words, they're going to get them into the church. Uh, it's discipleship, basically. But John Wesley did really well, but he... Uh, I don't believe he was made for marriage, uh, but later in his life, he got married to a lady that was known as Molly, and Molly, um, she loved John. John loved her, but wow, it was like a clash the whole time. She would actually disrupt his meetings. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being a preacher, and you're trying to be an overcomer, and your wife stands up in your meeting and just says, he's a total hypocrite. Don't believe what he just said. <laughs> I mean, cra crazy stuff like... Uh, almost like a, on the edge of like insane type stuff. I think what happened to Molly is that in some ways within the, the, the culture of John Wesley, it's like she married like a celebrity. He was ultra famous, not only in England and, and the UK, but also even in America. So he was like an international celebrity, got thousands of letters, uh, crowds everywhere he went. And she didn't quite realize that when she married him. And so she became really, if you read some of the letters and some of the background, she became extremely jealous. And I believe that was the, the, the tempting tool that Satan used on her was to try to get her to accept the spirit of jealousy. And for whatever reason she did, and she took it hook, line, and sinker. And I mean, even uh, one, of, uh, one of John Wesley's assistants uh, came over to his house one day. The man's name was John Hampson. He was from Manchester, England, and he came over one day. Uh, it was kind of unexpected and unannounced, and uh, he knew that John Wesley was expecting him, so he just went right on in, and he didn't know. He walked right into a fight, um, so he opens up the door, walks right in, and there's Molly dragging John Wesley around the room by the hair. <laughs> She's pulling her husband around the room, the greatest preacher of that era, pulling him around the room by his hair. 
and he walks in and saw that, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those things, oh, oh, excuse me, I think I'll come back later. He actually said that when she, she dropped him and let go, she had a handful of his hair in, his ha in her hand. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what some people have to work against to overcome. Wow, she eventually just left. And um, sad. But my friends, as an overcomer, we have these areas, a marriage, you, you have to step back and work with wisdom, work with the Holy Spirit. Finances, you have to step back, work with the Word, work with the Holy Spirit, and you have to look at these areas, and you might say, hey, there, there's a mess. You, know, you might have a handful of hair, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Uh, you might have a real mess. What do you do? Well, you want to overcome, praise God. And so there's a way, but you have to walk real close with the Lord, follow the Holy Spirit, and he'll show you, no matter how crazy it is, he'll show you where to go and what to do to make it beautiful, to make it right, and make it sweet. And if it can't, if it can't be repaired, uh, he can cause it even to be dissolved. And I think that's what happened with John Wesley's marriage. One day she just left, walked away, and he said, well, I didn't ask her to leave, but she's gone, so I'm not really asking her to come back either. So, um, but nevertheless, he picked right up with his meetings and carried on. And of course, you would never put ministry before your marriage or, or your family. But again, he was probably never fit for marriage in the first place. Um, and you know, if you have that gift, that grace of celibacy, walk in it and enjoy it and celebrate it. Amen. Because you don't have to encounter many of the other things that married couples have to work through. Because look, everybody brings suitcases, brings luggage into a marriage. It doesn't matter if you came from a wonderful Christian home and uh, the other uh, spouse came from a wonderful Christian home and you're married now, everybody brings in luggage. And sometimes you, this is not matching. Uh, you've got, this one brings these issues. This one brings these hurts and wounds or whatever. All of that's got to be worked through and things like that. And God will certainly help. But whatever your, your calling in life is, rejoice in the Lord and just focus on overcoming whatever your life is and walking in it, maintaining it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, um, I, I'm telling you, the Lord does you, I would almost call it like weird things sometimes to help you to look inward so that you, you realize I need to get victory here. You know, one time uh, Kelly and I were leaving the country and we needed somebody to watch our house. Excuse me. We're not leaving the country. We're leaving the state. So it was a very short trip. I think like maybe two days. Right. So this was a short trip. And so uh, I knew this man, Christian spirit-filled man, and I asked him uh, if he and his wife, uh, you know, and they were retired. They're in their 70s and didn't really have anything to do. I asked them, I said, hey, would y'all watch our home while we're gone? You could stay in our home. All I need you to do is one thing. He said, well, I'm sure I can do that for you, Pastor Stephen. I'd be happy to stay in your home. What's the one thing you need me to do? I said, well, I've got three little goats. My daughter loves the goats. And uh, I've got their food out for them and their water out for them. They have their shelter. But at night, they sleep in their little pen, a gated pen. And in the morning, I let them out. And then in the evening, I put them back in their little pen. All I need you to do is let them out in the morning. And in the evening, they'll go back into the pen because that's where their food's at. Oh, that's easy, Pastor Stephen. Yeah, I'll take care of your little goats. I'll take care of your goats. I said, wonderful. I said, enjoy my house. Have a great time. See you in just a few days. And so we left. <laughs> what happened while I was gone? Well, out of the three goats, we had one, the only black one. That goat's name was Jasmine. She was, she was like a genius animal. Uh, by the way, those of you that have goats, you know they're way smarter than any dog. You could take the smartest dog but you put it up against a goat. I mean, goats can open doors. Goats can turn doorknobs. Goats can do things you never thought an animal could do. Well, Jasmine was that type of an animal that knew how to push a person. And so uh, he actually had gone down into my basement and left the door open a little bit because he was getting some more food out of the basement. And when the door was propped open just a little bit while he was getting the food, Jasmine ran into the basement of my home. So Jasmine ran in and he says, okay, now Jasmine, you got to come out. Time to come out. And she wouldn't come out. 
and she was trying to like, uh, that's what animals can do sometimes, try to fluster you, especially goats. So he was trying to get the goat out. The goat wouldn't come out and eventually chases the goat around the basement that can't catch the goat. And the goat's kind of like, like laughing at him and, you know, ah, you know, ah, you know, doing all of his stuff. And he's getting more frustrated. Plus he's out of shape and bless his heart. He was kind of overweight, and so he's chasing the goat all over the place and, you know, getting all red and blood pressure going higher and higher and to the point he said, I can't take it anymore. And he just closed the door, and he left the goat in the basement. And he thought, well, it'll serve the goat right, and uh, but I'm not messing with that goat. That goat can stay in the basement. Okay, so he left Jasmine in the basement. The other two went into their little enclosure. He closes it, and he goes into the house for the night, and he lays down in the bed, uh, and they're sleeping in our master bedroom, he and his wife, and they're laying in the bed, and uh, what he didn't know is that the stairs that come up from the basement are right by the bedroom door, and Jasmine came up the stairs, and all night long, just all night long, When I got back and saw him, he looked like one of the most flustered humans I've ever met. And he said, he said, Pastor Stephen, that goat, I said, hey, what happened with Jasmine? I said, did the goat get your goat? You know, it's like a colonial expression we have. He goes, yeah, he said she really, really did. And, but that's the way the world is. That's the way the enemy is. He wants things to win over you. He wants you to get upset at something. He wants you to get sucked or pulled into some kind of a, a vortex of a gossip or a vortex of a strife. And he, he puts all of this junk out there as bait, as almost like a goat to see what grabs you into what, what frustrates you. Because here's the truth. If it doesn't irritate you and if it doesn't cause a reaction, he's like, the devil's like, oh, it's not doing anything. Oh, well, okay, let's stop that because it's not working. But if you have these big meltdowns, if you go off the deep end, if it got your goat, then you have to step back and realize that thing's beating me. How come that over, that thing, uh, how come I couldn't win over it? By the way, what my friend, if he would have realized is that out by their little area where they were at, had all kinds of like snacks and treats and a bucket and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure I told him about it, but he forgot in the mix of all of the uh, frustration. But all he had to do was open that bucket and take some of those goat treats, put them in his hand, open the garage basement, or excuse me, not the garage, but the basement door. Jasmine would have bolted to him so quick, like a bolt of lightning. That little goat would have, she, she would have eaten out of his hand, and he could have led her right back into the pen. In other words, use a treat, a little snack. Works on not just goats, dogs, cats, you know, all kinds of crit critters and creatures. Praise the Lord. But he just couldn't think. It just like, it's like fried his mind. <laughs> he didn't sleep all night either. The goat kept him up all night, just in agony. And um, my friends, Jesus wants you to overcome. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo! First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Excuse me just a moment. Let me get a drink of water. 1 Peter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So there's a war up here based on feelings and impulses that you have elsewhere in your body that are responding to stimuli in the world. We are uh, in a physical house. So we are aware of what we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, and all of that registers and the lower nature may want to speak to the higher nature and say, hey, why don't we take a break and uh, engage in these various things? But we are to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, the thought life, your mental realm. Praise God. So what is that? That's an area that you have to overcome, where if the thoughts say, yes, you say, not a chance, it ain't happening. Mm -mm. If if the uh, atmosphere says, oh, uh, you could uh, just go ahead and enjoy yourself. You say, no atmosphere or no atmosphere. I'm a man of God. I don't do those things. I'm a servant of God. I'm an overcomer, and I'm not wallowing around in the mud like an old dirty devil. Mm -mm. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will stabilize you stabilize you and keep you in a right mind. 
Thank you, Lord. Revelation chapter 20, very quickly. Revelation 20. And let's begin in verse, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. How can a pit be bottomless? Think of the bottomless pit. This is the way it looks in the spirit realm. If you ever had to change a bicycle inner tube, you take the bicycle uh, tire off, the wheel off, and it's flat on the tube, you pull the tube out, okay, and you could hold the tube up with no air in it. That's kind of what the bottom, excuse yes, that's like what the bottomless pit is like. It's just like a circular thing where you keep falling. You keep falling continually, but it's like a warped out of like shaped, uh, but like a, it looks like an inner tube, but you just keep falling, keep falling, you keep falling, you keep falling. He's going to keep falling for a thousand years. Now watch this. Having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. How long is that little while? I believe it's three and a half years. I felt like that's what the Lord told me when I was studying. I found out later that the mystic saints also those who had had visions along that line said that the revelation was given to them that that little while was three and a half years. So he's only going to be out for a little while to try to incite one final rebellion before he's off to the lake of fire. Mm. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, if there's a first, there is a second, and there is. But this is what I would say today. If you are an overcomer, and you're walking in that overcoming anointing, you qualify. Look, I'm telling you, this is not just for this lifetime where God's blessing your socks off, okay? But you're positioning yourself for something mega in the very near future. If you are walking as an overcomer now, and you finish your life here as an overcomer, you will make the first resurrection. And all of the other Christians who were not really, who, who of course were saved, but just not really into the things of God, just cruising, you know, whatever, okay? Thank God, that, you know, the grace of God is amazing. They'll be in heaven, but, but th their resurrection, they're only going to catch the second one. They don't get their glorified physical body back from its resurrected state. They don't get that until a thousand years later. And you'll already have years, a thousand years to hit everybody else. Woo, praise God. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Let them laugh. You'll have the last laugh. Amen. Mm -mm. Praise God. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. May you make that. That is for the overcomers. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Woo, praise God. So good. This is beautiful stuff. Um, very quickly, Revelation chapter 2. Lord, we give you praise today. Revelation 2, verse 25. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes. See, there are qualifications. And in many ways, this is not taught very often today because we've had an overemphasis on grace. And look, I love grace. I did a deep dive study on grace, and it really is worthy of being taught all over the world and just, you know, expounded upon. But, you know, you, you can't just take like one facet and not show the other facets. You, you, can't, uh, you can't half bake something, or, or if you do, there will be an imbalance. So what we want to do is understand that if you want to get into the category of the overcoming army, there are qualifications. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, 
To him will I give power over the nations. Oh, that sounds like you're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus during the millennium. Yes. Yes. How many Christians have I heard in the evangelical circles over the years say, we're going to rule and reign with Jesus, and they, ha they have like defeat. It's almost like they're wearing defeated signs all over them. You know they're defeated, because as soon as the meeting's over, that they're saying, we're going to rule and reign with Jesus, as soon as the meeting's over, they go out for a smoke break. So nicotine is ruling and reigning over them, and that's not condemnation. All I'm saying is we cannot romanticize powerful statements like this and celebrate statements like this, and we don't even know what it's talking about. You can rule and reign with Jesus when he's going to rule on this earth. It is potential that you can step into that, but you have to be an overcomer. That's for the overcomers. And I know I'm speaking to an army of overcomers that God is raising up and they're being raised up all over the world. God's people are rising up and saying, I don't want to live with the feet. I don't have to live with the feet. Jesus was the great overcomer. His DNA is in me. How can I be any different? <laughs> Woo. Praise God. Amen. Mm -mm. It says he shall rule them. That would be the nations with a rod of iron. He sure will. He sure will. Uh, I know some of you uh, watching, you might be in Singapore, beautiful country that I've been to before. And, uh, uh, you know, Singapore is interesting. When you visit, like me, uh, when you get your passport stamped, they put a little piece of paper in your passport, don't they? And it, it says something, doesn't it? Those of you that have visited, what, what, does, what does it say on the piece of paper that you're not allowed to take out during your entire stay? What does it say? It says death penalty for all drug dealers. And in Singapore, if you are caught peddling, selling drugs, it's immediate death penalty. There's no long drawn out sentence. It's all over with in a few days. You're dead. You're dead. And Singapore has no drug problem. It has not. Now there, can you believe it? There are still some who actually still tried to traffic drugs in the Singapore, <laughs> but they know if you're caught, your, your goose is cooked. You are dead. They're going to execute you. And they do. They do. Pastor Stephen, we have a problem in America with drugs. Uh, it's not so much a drug problem as it is a wisdom problem. People not willing to apply wisdom to fix the, the situation because you could fix it real quick. You can implement what Singapore does and it's over, it's over with overnight. It's all, it's game over for drug uh, dealers, drug sellers, and the, uh, you know, billion dollar drug, uh, illegal drug industry, whether it's fentanyl, cocaine, heroin, whatever it is, it'd be over with overnight. Mm, trust me when Jesus comes to rule and reign with a rod of iron woo, and the devil's bound also, he's off the scene. He's bound for a thousand years. Ain't going to be no funny business going on nowhere. Mm -mm. Ain't going to be no gambling going on nowhere. Mm -mm. And if there, is, if there is and it's caught, you're busted. Wow. Praise the Lord. So there will be those that will rule and reign with him. Who? Those who overcame. When? When they were on the earth. <laughs> Which for you is right now. For me, it's right now. And does it produce blessings now? Absolutely. But you're positioning yourself for something even greater to come. Praise God. I, I, you wouldn't believe some of the silly stuff I've heard because of an improper understanding. I've heard Christians say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reign over Hawaii. Hallelujah. <laughs> when Jesus reigns the world, I'm going to reign over Hawaii. Or, you know, it was, people are wanting to pick their favorite spot <laughs> as if it works like that. It doesn't work like that. Those things will be determined and assigned by the Lord, much like he did with his apostles. Matthew chapter 19. I'm about to close. Matthew 19, verse 28. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. So he's talking to the 12 apostles. You will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So they're each going to reign over a tribe, and Jesus will reign 
over the whole world. King David will reign over the nation, but Jesus will reign from the Mount of Olives over the entire world. Woo, praise God. And by the way, I'm not sure if some of you knew this, but Jerusalem is the belly button of the world. There are old maps from the medieval ages that actually are laid out showing mathematically and, you know, with certain numerical uh, calculations that Jerusalem is actually the center of the earth, which is what the rabbis have said for thousands of years. And it turns out mathematically that if you look at it from a outer space view, and you look at the whole land mass of all the you know continents and stuff like that. Jerusalem is still actually the very center of the. Uh, it's the center location of all of the land mass. It's the belly button of the planet. Woo! Praise God. Amen. Amen. Which is why, by the way, that I like to go to Israel. I like to go to Jerusalem. Why, Pastor Stephen? I got some future plans, not just for here and now, not just when I'm fifty, not, not not just when I'm sixty or seventy. I'm talking about in the millennium. Hallelujah! I plan on uh, having to go there often, perhaps as a representative or ambassador from a certain place that perhaps I would be assigned to, and I've got to go up for the Feast of Tabernacles. Woo, praise God. Hey, take a look at this. Let me pop this up on the screen right now. This is the tribal allotments described by Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 48 that reveal how the tribes will be positioned during the 1,000-year reign of Jesus. And uh, Ezekiel went in detail of how the arrangement will be, how big the temple will be, where Jesus will be at. Oh my goodness, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Incredible. By the way, that uh, design was laid out by Lambert Dolphin, a very good Bible teacher. There's others who have also laid it out that it looks almost exactly identical, um, but that's a good color-coded way to see that the way the nation of Israel will, will be when Jesus rules and reigns in a thousand years, and the whole planet will be under his jurisdiction. No bribery, no corruption, no, no baby-killing uh, national leaders, none of this uh, craziness that we see now from those who have yielded to follow the, their dark master and his agenda. That's all over with. That ain't going to be happening then. Mm -mm -mm. And those who are overcomers will be a part of it will be a part of it. I'm talking right into the heart of somebody. You're saying, yes, Pastor Stephen, I want to I want to make that first resurrection. Pastor Stephen, I want to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. One final scripture, and this is Philippians chapter 3. One final scripture, then I want to pray for you. Philippians 3, verse 10. Paul says that I may know him and the power of, of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In the, in the Greek, the literal word is that I may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. This is very interesting. Let me read just for a moment, because the regular Greek word for resurrection appearing throughout the New Testament is anastasis. And by the way, these are some notes from uh, the Bible scholar Arlen Chitwood uh, as he is commentating on this verse. So the regular Greek word for resurrection uh, appearing throughout the New Testament is anastasis. But this is a compound word that we just saw that's comprised of ana, which means up, and stasis, which means to rise or to stand. So anastasis means to rise up or stand up. But uh, when used relative to those who have died, the exact, the exact meaning of the word would be a resumption of life, allowing one to rise up or stand up from the place of death. The Greek word appearing in Philippians 3.11 that is translated as resurrection in most English versions of Scripture is actually the word ex-anastasis. This word is made up of three parts, ex, ana, and stasis. The latter two parts of the word anastasis, as have been shown, mean to rise up or to stand up. But the preposition, ex, prefixed to anastasis, adds a new dimension. I know this is Greek. and could be a little bit boring, but hang with me just for a moment, because <laughs> it will mean something special. The first part, ex, means out of. 
So ex-anastasis means to stand up or out of. It is an out of resurrection. The resurrection of Christians will be a separation of the dead in Christ from the remainder of the dead. At the time of the resurrection, the anastasis, Christians will be separated from non-Christians. But at the time of the out-resurrection, okay, ex-anastasis, certain Christians will be separated from other Christians. A smaller group will be separated from the one larger group. The called out will be removed from the called. Again, the called out will be removed from the call. We all make heaven, but there is a group of overcomers amongst those who are called of God. So understanding ex anastasis in the light of its context in Philippians chapter 3 verse 11 will clearly reveal that a resurrection is not what Paul was referring to in his view here. The subject at hand is overcoming. In other words, winning a prize in conflict. That's the context. And these things are associated with the issues of the coming kingdom. And the apostle Paul knew that. That's why he wanted to make the first resurrection. That's why that is talked about by John in the book of Revelation about those in the first resurrection. Who's in it? Only the overcomers. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those today that are watching that want to be a part of the ex-anastasis, the standing out from among the group, the overcomers. Father, that's what Paul was after. That's what Paul was after. He wanted to make heaven, but he wanted to make it as an overcomer. So, Father, to overcome, that means there's opposition. There's areas the enemy would try to hold back. But as we stand on your word, as we walk close to you, we thank you that the breakthroughs are going to come, great breakthroughs. And the world is going to see champions in Christ like they have never seen before, accomplish things like never seen before. We thank you, Father, that you're forming this army right now of overcomers. I, I pray, Father, for those that are watching, that they be infused with, with your power through fresh visitation, through clear vision and direction of what their assignment in life is to do, and they'll get it done at all cost. Not only accomplishing that, but, but also really watching their own life so that they not only preach victory, they not only preach overcoming, but they have their own checkups, which we all must have so that we are not just talking it, but we're actually walking in it. Father, I pray this for your people, particularly in the areas of private areas, areas where character is formed, where nobody looks and nobody knows but you. I pray, Father, that they be winning on all fronts. I speak your blessing into their life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. There is a flow of the Spirit today. If you're watching today and you don't, know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe even a lot of this you don't understand, but you do feel that draw to God and you feel conviction of your sin. That's the Holy Spirit working on you right now. I want you to pray with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and you can walk out of sin and walk into a new life with Jesus. If you're watching and you used to be a Christian, but you fell away, got all tangled up and messed up in sin, but you're tired of living like the prodigal son in the pig pen. And you've come to your senses just like he did. And you say, I must return to my father's house. Today is your day to return to the father's house and he'll receive you back and he'll, he'll welcome you back with open arms. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Okay. Those of you that are ready to get your life right with God, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead, and I believe that you are God's son. Jesus, you paid the penalty for all of my sins. So Jesus, I surrender my life to you now. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Save me now. Thank you, Jesus. Step into my life and lead me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God, praise God. Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> Woo! Now that you're in, go all in. Go all out for him. 
Walk in the overcomer anointing, and you'll see that just as Jesus did, just as he did, you can too. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Let's take Holy Communion together today. Grab some, uh, grab a little wafer, a little cracker, and some grape juice. If you don't have a little wafer, just get a cracker, whatever you have. I've got grape juice. If, if you don't have grape juice, grab what you've got for now. And let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that communion will always have a supernatural element to it. And there will always be things about it we don't understand because you're in, you're in it. Jesus said this is his body. This is his blood. So just as we can never understand you, because you're God, neither can we ever fully understand communion, but we do believe that we are receiving you, and we do so by faith. Father, we thank you for the Lord's flesh. As we receive his flesh, we thank you for victory in every area of our life, victory that is manifested with great joy, great gladness, great testimony. Father, we give you praise. Thank you that light always shines brightest in darkness, and we thank you that it is your time to spotlight the church. And we thank you that your people are going to shine and lift Jesus high. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all receive together the Lord's body. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, his mighty, mighty cleansing power. We thank you, Father God, that your blood is working on our minds, on our understanding, on the way that we think, the way that we perceive life. We thank you, Father, that because we are blood washed and belong to Jesus, that we are being positioned and trained and raised up as overcomers. Now, Father, we thank you. We cooperate with your Holy Spirit. We cooperate with you, O God, and we know that you're working. Right now, Father, I see the end result for your people. And it's good. The end intended by you, O God, is good. Mm, we give you all of the praise. And Father, we know that the end intended by the devil for those that follow him uh, is horrible. It's, it's hell. And then after the great white throne judgment, it's the lake of fire that burns for all eternity. But Father, we thank you that the end intended by you for us is fantastic. We now receive the blood of Jesus together. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Go to work on those areas and watch Jesus polish you. Watch, watch Jesus make you beautiful in him and give you victory in areas that you never thought could be fixed or overcome. He'll help you. He'll show you what to do. And the Holy Spirit's right there with you. So have a great week. And before I go, let me pop up the giving information. And let me say also, as many of you know, I'm jumping on the airplane. Uh, actually, tomorrow, I'm going to head over to Israel. I'm going to get there a little bit earlier before my group does, because I like to get everything ready. But I'm leaving uh, tomorrow for Israel. If you want to sow a special seed, something, let's say like $25. Because when Kelly and I, when Pastor Kelly and I, we walk around... Sometimes we just see uh, people that need help. They need a blessing. Maybe they, don't have, maybe they don't have enough money for lunch. I'm talking about maybe a Jewish person in need, an Israeli who's having a challenging time. And uh, sometimes as, you know, it says in Scripture, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that Jesus went about doing good. Perhaps you would like to do that through me and my wife, where you can't be in Israel with us, but we're going to walk around and doing good. And if you would like to extend your love to the Jewish people through us, as we walk around and just do good things to people while we're on tour, you can do that through us. Praise God. If you want to send a blessing, you know, sometimes we just like to buy a pair of shoes for somebody. Uh, we see a person with old wore out shoes. Hey, look at that shoe store. Hey, would you like a new pair of shoes? And we do it in the name of Jesus. And we do it through the grace of our ministry partners who love us and 
uh, just want to be a blessing. If you want to do something like that, just um, uh, go to our website, stephenbrooks.org. At the top, there's a header that says online giving, and you can click on that. That little link will drop down. It says fund. Click on that. It'll drop down, and you'll just see the area for offering. You just want to give something, $25. Just put a little note. Just say Israel blessing. Israel blessing. And as my wife and I walk around Israel, because we're going to go all over the whole country, top, bottom, all sides, we'll have that, those open eyes and an open heart to be a blessing where it's needed and where it's tangibly experienced by those who could use uh, some love and some goodness, amen, of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Look, you, look just by that one act. Uh, the blessing of Abraham is on you. Remember, the blessing of Abraham is international. God told him, I'll make you uh, a, a father of many nations. So when you're, in, when you're in Christ, you connect with that, and you suddenly become not just a local blessing, a national, international phenomenon. Amen. <laughs> Your gift is going to go right towards somebody in the nation of Israel. You're, you're already going international. Do you ever stop to think about that? You're going international with your blessing and your giving. We already are with all of our television support and all. But, um, of course, it's felt. It's felt. It's tangible. Thank you for doing that. And I'll be praying over your gift. God, multiply it. Bless it back to you. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And I look forward to seeing you back again real soon. I'll see you Sunday. Till then, have a great week. Bye-bye.